Hi, everyone. Benjamin Smith here, pastor of Revealing Truth Ministries, Wesley Chapel. You know, God is always speaking good things to us, and he has a word for you today. We are sure of it. Take some time out to listen, and we'll be back as soon as we're done. God bless you. God, I thank you for each and every person here. Lord, we never take it for granted, this opportunity to come and minister together. I pray that you give me your inner wisdom to speak life into each and every person. God, I also pray that everybody under the sound of my voice will get something out of the message today that they can use and make their lives better. God, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but they will be able to use this message and make their lives better immediately. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's do our Bible confession, family. I want to be talking to you about the peace within today. Ready? Let's go. This is my Bible. I can be what it says I can be. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. Every verse is God-breathed, and I aim to live by every word. It is essential to my faith foundation and works to change me from the inside out into the person God created me to be. That is why I shall never let it go. It is reliable. It is the truth. It is divine. It is the word of God and shall forever be to me my Bible. In Jesus' name, amen. Family, I want to share something with you really quick, a really quick Smith story. Since yesterday was my birthday, I was going through cards and stuff that my family got me. And my family loved on me right, so I, I appreciate that. This one is a collection of cards that I got from my daughter and her husband. So Duran and Corin gives me cards, but there are two cards. And it's important that I open this card first, apparently. My daughter has that requirement. So I said, fine. When I begin to read this card, all the good things it says about dad, I don't know if you can notice it, it has something that says number one. In the back of my mind, I'm already perceiving what the punchline is. It is, dad, you're number one. I was mistaken. <laughs> it reads, you see the number one? It reads, Dad, here is something for you to wear so the whole world will know. I'm thinking I'll say, because Dad, you number one. Mm-mm. Dad, here is something for you to wear so the whole world will know. I open it up. It's a button. My daughter is number one. <laughs> oh, my God. Whoo. Family, the peace within. Your first image for today. I want you to observe this. I'm going to read this, and I want you to read along with me just in your mind. 
It's a very familiar psalm. It's Psalm 23, verses 1 through 6, out of the King James Version. It reads, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is a psalm about faith and peace. But first, what is peace? If we were to just do our research, just roll up our sleeves and go to Googling and typing and trying to figure out what is the definition of peace, we would find at least these three or something along the lines of these three. Observe. Peace is, the first one, a state of tranquility, quiet, and harmony, absence of violence, that's something they put on the end there, going to the second one, and kind of almost like connecting to absence of violence, it says, a state free of war, in particular war between different countries. The third one says, peace is a state free of oppressive and unpleasant thoughts and emotions. All three of these definitions accurately identify peace as a state. You are either in a state of peace or you're not. You either have peace or you don't. Of these three, the first two kind of huddle around a certain context or idea while that third one sort of more directly points to a definition or an explanation of peace that better aligns with the way I'm going to push you as a believer to view peace. The first two, though, I want you to lock in on those, and let's talk about those for a minute. Those first two states express or imply or put peace in the category of being the absence of trouble or hardship. I would definitely put those in the category of worldly peace, worldly peace definition. In that case, in that scenario, Peace is conditional. Say conditional. Conditional. Meaning, now come with me to the first one. That first word. In the context of these first two definitions, when events, when circumstances, when situations are tranquil, 
then you have peace. When times are quiet, when times are calm, then you have peace. When the atmosphere in your space, when it's full of harmony, when there's no threat of violence or war, then you have peace. But, family, what happens when the, you know, the waves of life are not tranquil. When the waves of life are not calm, what happens then? Tell me what happens when you used to have a good job, a good high-paying job, and now you are unemployed. Not because you want to be. You are forcefully unemployed. Somebody told you they no longer wanted to employ you. Do you still have peace? What happens when you used to have that house in that gated community? Beautiful. Many thousands of square feet. To the point to where your family would always brag about what you had. You had the house sitting on acreage, so big you could have a family union in the backyard. Set up the grill, back up the cars, open up the trunk, let the bowls and the alpine pump, and nobody gonna tell you to, to quiet it down because it's your acreage. You can be as loud as you want. There's nothing on the left or to the right of you but land that you own. But what happens when you go from that to living in your car? Do you still have peace? When everything in your body was just working like a top, but suddenly you got that piercing pain in your left side that doesn't seem to want to go away. Do you still have peace? Notice, that first one talks about tranquility and quiet. But what about harmony and violence and war? Tell me this. What happens when in your relationships, screaming and shouting replaces the harmony and amicability between people? I like that word, amicability. That's civility, being civil to one another, you being kind to you, you being friendly to you, you being nice to him. What happens when in your relationships that harmony and amicability goes away? Tell me, what happens when in your relationship, guess what? Calm is replaced with combat. Tell me when in your relationships, affection is replaced with anger. When civility is replaced with civil war. Tell me what happens. Do you still have peace? You and your spouse 
used to live in so much harmony. Y'all was like a sitcom. The Huxtables. You were the poster child for him and her and her and him. If anybody could have a relationship like that, they had it made. You had a harmony. You were so kind to him. She was, she was, she was just, oh my God, you couldn't get any sweeter. He was so amicable to her. He was so forgiving and inviting to her. Now when she look at him, she want to scratch his eyes out. <laughs> now he can't even stand to be in the same room with her. Tell me, when calm is replaced with combat, in your relationships, do you still have peace? When your children went to bed, they were fine. They were perfectly normal, good-behaving, God-fearing children. But then they woke up the day, and you don't know what the flim-flam then got into them. You ain't, they were fine last night. Today they done woke up and they are exhibiting a whole different level of crazy. They are pushing the envelope on foolishness. And it's only been a day. And there does not seem to be any end in sight. It seems like it has become their new normal. Do you still have peace? I mean, they are pushing the frustration level in your, it, your frustration meter is pressing up against 10. It's, it's to the point to where you are at best speaking to them in short bursts of angered speech. I'm talking about you are speaking to them in, we could say, infuriated verbal articulation. <laughs> Little short bursts. You, it's not long sentences because that's all you can muster up. <laughs> and if you've been a parent or if you've been around parents or someone that's raising children that were as my mom would say, smelling themselves, <laughs> feeling themselves, thinking they grown. You know what I mean about verbal infuriation and articulation. You know exactly what I'm saying. I'm saying you begin to say things to them like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> you out of your mind? Who you expect was going to pay for that? What you expect was going to happen? You better get out of my face. All these things you start to, you start to, to, to say, oh, get this. I start liking when they get shorter. Say it again. Roll your eyes at me again. Suck your teeth one more time. 
you, you, what happens? Do you still have peace when in your, in your relationships, when things go from being civil to being on the brink of civil war, do you still have peace? Looking at your children, and you know what I like. Ooh, there is a short little two-letter, two-word phrase that you will hear, especially mamas use. And when they use it, they use that thing so good, it's, you can tell that that kid, they just, they just one, one word short of, of, of just getting it. And it, it sounded like, sound like they say, they say, little girl. You ever heard that? Little girl? Little girl. And it's not just little girl. It's how they say it. It's with a fist twist. Little girl. Almost like the Statue of Liberty. Little girl? And little boy, you know, little boy, but I just hear the little girl. You better get out of my face. Ooh, little girl, you don't know me like that. And when they use that ooh, the ooh. Ooh. You know what that is? That's that parent that had a flash in their mind. If they snap right then, they saw your life pass before their eyes. Ooh, look, girl. Just go to your room. Go get out of my get your suit. But what happens when in your house? All the ones that you have cared for and loved on all these years, you done worked for, got up early for, skipped stuff that you wanted to do for, and now they cutting the fool. Do you still have peace? When you begin to realize that all of your so-called friends are really frenemies, do you still have peace? These first two definitions put peace as a state, yes, but it puts peace, in my opinion, in a conditional framework. Conditional peace is not the peace God wants for us. Conditional peace is not the peace God has for us. Turn your attention to this third one. It says, go back up. It says, peace is a state free of oppressive and unpleasant thoughts and emotions. Now, that one gets us more in line to the kind of peace that God wants us to have because it references thoughts, emotions. I'm going to also put in there state of mind. I'm going to put in there Spirit, in your spirit. It's referencing peace within. And God wants us to have peace within. So this definition gets us closer with one clarification. That is, that peace within should be unaltered by any shifts in the winds of life. No matter what the waves of life bring, that peace should remain. 
We're talking about not peace as the world presents peace. We're talking about a God kind of peace. And a God kind of peace, that thing sprouts, grows from faith in God. An unwavering faith in God. We could even say it this way, and I want you to say this with me. Observe. Family, I want you to read this sentence with me on three. Ready? One, two, three. As goes one's faith, so goes one's peace. As goes one's faith, so goes one's peace. This makes the connection between faith and peace. It, it points to a relationship. To make that relationship explanation more, how can I put it, more clear, I'm going to ask you to reflect back on our final session in our re-engage vision category. That final session focused on three questions. We're going to really put time into a short burst of time into the bottom two questions, but let me show you all three of them just as a reminder. Notice. You probably remember these, right? The questions were, what thoughts do you think toward you? The other two were really a single question that we broke out. The single question is really, do you believe God? But we broke them out this way. Do you believe God can? And do you believe God will? It's not enough just to believe that he can. You must also believe that he will. But now let's put me in that. Loved ones, once I believe that God can and I believe God will. That, in effect, is me putting my faith in him. Once I believe God can take care of me and believe that he will take care of me, that is me putting my faith in him. And once I put my faith in him, here comes your next read, then, next one please, read this next one with me, the first line, go. Faith in him gives me peace. So once I put my faith in God, faith in God gives me peace within. Now, how can I convey that? You see that chair there? Many of us have heard that explan the explanation before. But we're going to do, I'm not going to actually bring a chair up here, but 
the explanation or the, the, the description goes like this. When you see a chair and you go to sit in it, in general, you actually sit in it because you believe the chair can hold you. If we were to break that down, you go up to the chair, and in your mind, you believe that it can. Whether you 130 or 330, you believe that it can. And the act of you actually going to sit in that chair confirms that you also believe that it will. In effect, you've put your faith in that chair. Now, let me give you another example, though. Take a parent of a newborn. And I'm going to go one step farther. A parent of a newborn, and it's the first baby of that parent. I use the first baby of that parent because for every parent that's had multiple children, you know the way you treat that first one is like grade A, prime, keep all the germs off, human being. I'm talking about that first baby. If the pacifier hit the flow, and this is your house, don't put that back in the baby mouth. Go rinse it off. Go wash it off. Get some disinfectant wipe. Wipe that thing off. That's the first baby. By the second baby, pacifier fall on the floor, you might not wash it off. You might just stick it in your mouth and then stick it back in their mouth. I don't know why that's more sanitary. All them, all them pig feet and chicken wings you eating. You eating crab legs and everything, you just going and you just stick it back in there. The third baby, it fall on the ground, the dog lick it, <laughs> you slap it back in there. Cause you get, you know, you get wiser. Anyway, let me get back to my, let me get back to the story. But trying to get to the point to where it comes clear that when you have faith that God can, or you have belief that God can, and belief that he will, that's you putting your faith in him. So here that parent is with this newborn. They got to go somewhere. Got to go to work. Got to go wherever. If that parent comes to Charlotte, and that parent hands Charlotte the baby, that parent hands Charlotte the baby, believing that she can, but not just believing that she can, believing that she will take care of that baby. In that regard, that parent has put their faith in her, and then they go to work. It doesn't work if you don't do both. I'll prove it to you. I've done it as a parent. You may have done it as a parent. Have you ever 
had to go somewhere. You just had to go somewhere, and you couldn't take your child. And the only person available was them. Cousin whoever, auntie whoever, your brother whoever, your sister whoever. You left that baby with them. You had belief that they could, but you didn't have much belief that they would. So the whole time you at work, you ain't got no peace. You calling, everything going. Did you feed them? Did you, did you, did you, how much formula you put in there? Did you burp them right? What? You calling, because you don't have faith in them. You got belief that they can, but not belief that they will. You can't wait to get off work to drive home. You, you, you to the point to where you are in meetings and people are having to state things two and three times because your mind ain't even there. What was that again? Well, Benjamin, we just went over that. No, because your mind is where your baby is, who's with your cousin. You believe that they can, but you don't really believe that they will. In order to put your faith in God, you have to believe that God can and believe that God will. And once you put your faith in God, that gives you peace. Because it gives you peace that you are putting, in the case of your ba the baby, your Life, the life that God has given you, you're putting it in his hands. And that means when you believe that God can and will, no matter what the waves of life bring you, you believe God can handle it and he will handle it. God can provide and he will provide. God can comfort and he will comfort. God can do and God will do. Faith. In God gives you real peace within. I saw recently a quote. I'm going to say it's a quote because it's, from a, it's directly from an author who wrote something. And I found it kind of curious. So I wanted to show it to you. Examine this. The author wrote, peace is the emotion of faith. Loved ones, I want to tell you, I get the sentiment. And I never want to give you the impression that just because you take one sentence out of a whole collection of what an author wrote, that they did something wrong. They said something wrong. If you read the whole context of what this author wrote, it, it fits. What the author is saying is that peace is a, is a product of your faith. But the wording that that author chose to use, I want to implore, employ, implore, beg, whatever the right word is. I want to I do everything I can to hopefully convince you not to link in your mind, the word peace with emotion. 
implore you. I think that's the word I was looking for. Do not link peace with emotion because your emotions will change. I caution you to avoid that. Do not, do not, do not link peace with emotion. If you have to link peace with anything concerning faith, link it this way. Notice. I want you to read this with me. Ready, go. Peace is the fruit of faith. It's the fruit of faith. And we can say that peace is the fruit of faith because Paul writes, Galatians 5, 22 through 23, easy to read, but the fruit that the Spirit produces in a person's life is love, joy. What's that next word? Peace, Peace patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these kinds of things. Peace is the fruit of faith. So peace in your life, loved ones, peace within is a product of your faith. Now that we've gone through this, let's go back to the 23rd Psalm. And when we say that that is a psalm of faith and peace, let's view that. Let's do the first verse. Now, loved ones, we're going we're gonna to pounce through these quickly. But we have Psalm 23, which is just six verses. We have it in the message, the voice, the easy to read, and the amplified classic. I'm going to read them in that order, starting with the message. Psalm says, God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. The eternal, the eternal is my shepherd. He cares for me always. The easy to read. The Lord is my shepherd. I will always have everything I need. Amplify classic. The Lord is my shepherd to feed, guide, and shield me. I shall have no lack. Loved ones, when you believe that God can give you everything that you need, and he will give you everything that you need, when you believe that God can care for you always, and he will care for you always, when you believe that you shall not have any lack because God can and God will, that gives you faith, and that faith in God, that gives you peace. David is saying, I have a faith in God, and that faith gives me peace. Verse 2. The Message Bible. You have bedded me down in lush meadows. You find me quiet pools to drink from. 
voice. He provides me rest in rich green field beside streams of refresh, refreshing water. He soothes my fears. Ooh, fears are coming, coming up soon. He gives me green pastures to lie in. He leads me by calm pool, pools of water. Pools of water, that's easy to read, M5 Classic. He makes me lie down in fresh green, tender green, in fresh, tender green pastures. He leads me beside the still and restful waters. God allows you to be in this life and puts you in a quiet place. Gives you rest. Not just in any pastures, but pastures that are rich and green. No matter what's going on in your life, God will carve out moments to give you, put you beside still waters. This gives you peace knowing that you are shepherded by a God like that. Verse 3. The Message Bible. True to your word, you let me catch my breath and send me in the right direction. He makes me whole again, steering me off worn, hard paths to roads where truth and righteousness echo his name. He restores my strength. He leads me on the right, on the right path to show that he is good. And the Amplified Classic. He refreshes and restores my life, myself. He leads me in paths of righteousness, uprightness, and right standing with him, not for my earning it, but for his name's sake. God is true to his word. God is a God that can make you whole. God leads you in the right path. The Bible says a path of a righteous man. That path is ordered by God. And God does things for you. Yes, he can. Yes, he will. But he does it not because you earned it, just because you his child. The faith gives you peace when you know that God can and God will. You can trust him because he's true to his word. Verse 4, the message, even when the way goes through Death Valley, I'm not afraid. When you walk at my side, your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. The voice, even in the unending shadows of death's darkness, I am not overcome by fear because you are with me in those dark moments Near with, near with your protection and guidance, I am comforted. Even if I walk through the valley, through a valley as dark as the grave, read these bolded words with me. I will not be afraid of any danger because you are with me. Your rod and staff comfort me. Yes, though I walk through the deep sunless valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no dread, no evil. I will, fear, I will fear or dread no evil. For you are with me, your rod to protect and your staff to guide, they comfort me. Now pause right here. Fear 
wreaks havoc on your peace. Fear of what they're going to say. Fear of what they're going to do. Fear of if you're going to make it. Fear of if you're going to succeed. Hey, fear of if God's going to come through. Fear of if God will come through. Fear wrecks your peace. But David says, in the arms of the shepherd, you do not have to fear any peace. You do not have to, you do not have to fear you can have peace because God is always with you. When you're crying in the middle of the night and you feel all alone, no, you are not. God is with you. When it looks like it's no one else on your side, that is not a true depiction because God is with you. No matter where you walk, no matter how many shadows, no matter how dark the day, God is always with you. He's there to comfort you. He's there to guide you. No fear, no dread. And when you put your faith in him, that gives you peace. Verse 5. You serve me, not just a snack. The Message Bible says, a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. You revive my drooping head, my cup brims with blessing. The voice, you spread out a table before me, provisions in the midst of attack from my enemies. You care for all my needs, anointing my head with soothing, fragrant oil, filling my cup again and again with your grace. You prepared me for, you prepared a meal for me in front of my enemies. You welcome me as an honored guest. My cup is full and spring and spilling over. Amplify classic. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup, brim, my brimming cup runs over. God will give you provision and do you good right in front of the people that's trying to do you wrong. When you're with the shepherd, the good shepherd, right in front of your enemies, in the midst of the attack, they could be wondering, why are you still standing? How are you still standing? How are you still making it? Why are you still making it? How are you getting promoted? Why are you getting promoted? How is it working out for them? Why is it working out for them? It's because God is preparing a table before, before me in your face. Yes. In the presence of your enemies, God will do you good and make you happy just so they can suck their teeth at how good God doing it for you. And as far as his grace, as far as his kindness, his mercy, he ain't doing it just one time. The voice Bible says again and again. And the blessings are not just singular. Your cup brims over. The final verse. 
Verse 6 says this. I would, I would quote it from the King James, but I'm not showing the King James. You know, surely goodness and mercy to follow me. She's getting there. I'm going to, oh, there we go. So right in line, the message, the voice, easy to read in the Amplified Classic. The psalm concludes this way. Your beauty and love chase after me every day of my life. I'm back home in the house of God for the rest of my life. Certainly your faith protects, your faithful protection and loving provision will pursue me where I go, always, everywhere. I will always be with the eternal in your house forever. Your goodness and mercy will be with me all my life, and I will live in the Lord's house a long, long time. Surely or only goodness, mercy, and unfailing love shall follow me all the days of my life, and through the length of my days, the house of the Lord and his presence shall be my dwelling place. Family David says, God's love chases after him every day of his life. David says that God's protection and his provision pursues him wherever he go, always. It says his goodness and his mercy will be in his life always. And let's not forget God's unfailing love follow him all the days of his life. God is with you always. When you believe God can and you believe God will and you put your faith in him, you believe that God is with you always. No matter where you go, You've, you, you've, talk, you've heard it said, the favor of God surrounds you like a shield. But we can just shorten that. As his child, God surrounds you like a shield. Every day of your life, God in front of you, God behind you, God on the left side, God on the right side, God below you, God above you, God when you go to the unemployment office, God when you go in the job, God when you go in the doctor's office, God when your child tripping, God when your wife cutting the food, God when your husband acting crazy, God when your relatives ain't treating you right. God is with you always. God when the church cutting the food, God when everybody else don't seem to be acting right. Hey, God when you cutting the food, God with you always. God is always with you. God is with you at all times. It doesn't matter the situation in life. God is with you. The circumstance don't matter. God is with you. God is with you. God. This psalm is about faith and peace. A peace that comes because you put your unwavering faith in God. When David does this psalm, it is a wonderful commentary about how completely God takes care of his children. 
Furthermore, what it does is it makes that connection between faith and peace. When you go back and study this, I want you to, I want you to notice something. In the versions that we used, we use King James, we use Message, we use The Voice, we use Easy to Read, we use Amplified Classic. None of those versions have in them or contain the word peace. None of them. They don't even have the word faith. That verse 6 there in the voice has the word faithful, but it's talking about God being faithful. But you don't find faith and peace in here. Yet I tell you that this is a psalm about faith and peace. Because in my opinion, it is very clear that what David is saying is that his faith in God gives him peace. Not just any kind of peace, though. It gives him a certain peace within. What is that peace? Faith in God gives a peace that does not change with change. Amen. It doesn't change with change. Faith in God gives you a peace within that does not change with change because that peace is anchored to a faith that's anchored to God who does not change. How do you put a bow on that? Right here. Notice this image. Because once your faith is anchored in God, It does not matter how your emotions change. Your peace remains. Why? Because your peace is anchored to a faith that's anchored in God who does not change. It doesn't matter how your circumstances change. Your peace does not change. Because your peace is anchored in a faith that's anchored in God, and God doesn't change. If God can today, he can tomorrow. If God will today, he will tomorrow. You can have faith in God as your situations or, ooh, as your friendships change. Your peace don't change. Why? Because your peace is anchored in a faith that's anchored in God, and God doesn't change. Your finances, they change. Your peace don't change. It doesn't change. Regardless of what goes on in you, to you, with you, or through you, no matter how any of that changes, 
No matter how the waves of life go up and down, the winds shift, the storms blow in and out, it doesn't matter. Your peace stays anchored because it's anchored in a faith that's anchored in God, and God does not change. Now this, having a peace that's so anchored that nothing changes it, nothing shifts it, I will admit that's ideal. I can tell you that as much as I strive for it, some things make me nervous. And I got to check myself. Benjamin, where's your peace? Is your peace anchored in your faith that's anchored in God? Or are you looking at something else? I admit that is ideal. I'm not just tossing it out there saying it's so simple. Just believe in God. That's nonsensical. It can be a challenge. But if you want real peace within, you have to put your faith completely in him. Take your life as a newborn and put it in his hands and don't be concerned about whether or not he can and will. There's an interesting commentary here, though, about the psalm that we read. And I call it a noteworthy commentary because research shows, or my research showed me, when David wrote Psalm, that 23rd Psalm, it was at the end of his life, near the end. What that tells me is he was writing about a God he had lived with. He was writing not just about a God he knows, but by, about, a, about a God he has known. He's not just talking about how good God is. He's talking about how good God has been and God continues to be. That's why he can talk like this, not because we can't, we can't go back in David's life and find out sometimes that we thought, I don't know if David, you was operating all this Psalm 23 piece that you're talking about. He's not talking about young David. He's not talking about inexperienced David. This is a psalm from seasoned, wise, I can look back on years with God, David. So what we are conveying is the same thing that many adults would say to young people. I can give you advice that will help you avoid all the things I've been through. Parents have said that. I said that to mine. If you just listen, it will save you. It will not only save you heartache, 
it will not only save you tears, it'll have more money in the bank for you, it'll, you'll be more happy in what you're doing in life if you just, listen! David is giving you, I am telling you, from a life of having lived and looked back at what God has done for me, the only path to real peace within is to put your faith completely in God. It's a psalm written at the end of his life. I've talked to you about my grandma Betty before. My mama mama, we called her grandma Betty. Her name's Elizabeth. Some people, she was my grandma, so I couldn't call her Betty. But it was Tom and Betty. Granddaddy Tom and Grandma Daddy. And Grandma, grandma Betty, not Daddy. <laughs> grandma Betty. And my Grandma Betty, I'm going to sit on the ground here. My Grandma Betty would sit in a rocket chair. And she'd have her hair tied up. You remember? Now, they don't, they don't have this anymore. Remember when they used to have, like, Uncle Ben on the rice box and Aunt Jemima and all that? Well, you remember Aunt Jemima had, like, a rag tied around her head? That's my Grandma Betty. And earlier in her life, she did snuff. And that's the first time I saw somebody spitting. The it was nasty looking stuff. It was just nasty. But she got away from snuff. But Grandma Betty, she, I'm talking about solid God-fearing woman. And as a child, my grandma, she was, she was a mother of 15. All, all birth, all hers. Her and Tom. She would sit there in a rocking chair. And she would take it, y'all probably can't see me, but she would take the back of her hand like this, and she would snap it like this as she rocked. And I would say, hey, Grandma. She'd say, how you doing, Benji? Say, I'm doing good. She'd say, Benji, God is good. She'd just rock. God is good. As a child, I didn't get it. As a child, I didn't know what I had before me. But when I got older and I reflected, my grandma wasn't just talking to me from the now. My grandma was talking to me about God from the then to the now. My grandma was looking back over her life, and she was testifying, not just telling me that God was good. She was saying to me, I can be a living testimony before you that God can and God will. She was talking to me about, listen, when I look back over my life, I, I didn't know that I had a living testament talking to me. When I look back over my life, Benji, if she, if she put it in long form, Benji, I've come through a time where our people could not even be in the same room as others. I've come through a time where people had names they would call you that they wouldn't even call their animals. 
I come through a time where I didn't like where I lived in my mama and daddy house, so I got married at 14 just to get out of the house. Benji, I'm telling you, I'm coming from a time to where I gave birth to 15 children. I gave birth to them during a time when we didn't even have enough money to, to, to have three, let alone 15. I've made clothes out of things that people throw away. I've made pillows out of old clothes. I've picked in the field. I've done cut. I've Benji, I'm telling you, and through it all, I can tell you God has been good. God is good, Benji. God is good. Out of my 15 children, God is with me when I had to take them to the doctor. He was with me when I didn't have money to get them to the doctor. He was with me when... Loved ones, my mother told me a story. And I'm going to try to tell you this story in a way that it can be recorded. My mother had something wrong with her teeth. And back where I'm from, maybe like many of you, some people don't know that I'm older than I look. But back where I'm from, it was not necessarily harmonious, amical, amical relations between the races. My mom tells me a story that she had something wrong with her mouth. And during those times, I can say that, black and white people, I can say that for okay. At the hospital, for example, the white people went in certain part. And the, the, the black people, they were like on the outside, like maybe like in a screen porch kind of area. And whenever somebody got free, you could be there all day then they would send somebody out for you. Now, I was, that was before my time, but I'm just giving you the story because I, I, it hit my mind about my grandma. My mother tells me that she had something wrong with her mouth. Waited and waited and waited. Finally, the medical professional, the doctor, comes out there and there she is, a little black girl, young black girl, I know how old she was, with something wrong with her mouth. The doctor says, here is the clean version. I would rather put my hands in a horse's behind than to put my hands in a black girl's mouth. Now, let's reflect that on my grandma. She's telling me God is good. God is, Benji, God is good. When I look back on what God has brought us through, even though at the time the waves of life were hitting the rocks like a beast, 
Today, I can tell you that all things work together. So Benji, stick with God. She was rocking and she was giving me a testimony. I didn't realize everything was from the then to now. Otherwise, I wouldn't just say, okay, grandma. I would have sat down and I would have listened. I would have soaked it all in. She was telling me about how he brought her through everything with her children, how he gave her the strength when she had to do a home going for one of her children. Benji, I've been a parent that has given life, thank God, and a parent that had to let go, thank God. In all circumstances, I just continue to put my faith in God, sickness in her body. I put my faith in God. Children married, then some no longer married. Getting along, not getting along. Trying to hold it together. It's not easy, but Benji, God is good. She had a peace because her peace was anchored in a faith anchored in God, and she knew, Benji, God don't change. Amen. One could even say this, that when you put your faith in God, it gives you a peace that, hey, transcends all understanding. Amen. It surpasses it. Yeah. Y'all know that's, that scripture's for another day. When we talk about peace within, real peace within, it's not the absence of trouble and absence of hard times. It's not when everything's going peachy in your house. Real peace within is when your faith is anchored in God. You truly put yourself in his hands and you remove yourself from the worry and the stress because you are in his hands and you believe that he can and you believe that he will. Whew. I love you, family. Let's pray. God, this moment is dedicated for you to pour into us. Give us the, first the desire, and then give us the will to put our faith in you. Believe in that you can, 
and believing that you will. And once we put all that we are in your hands, we want to leave ourselves there. It does no good for us to put ourselves there and then to spend countless hours and days worrying about if you will. God, you're the shepherd. Mm, pause. Loved ones, look at me. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. Remember, David, David was a shepherd boy. So the analogy of the shepherd and the sheep to David, are, it's like you and me talking about whatever we do all the time. But lock in on this. In the natural, in the natural. When we're talking about shepherd and sheep, a sheep don't choose the shepherd. The shepherd chooses the sheep. You mind, you mind, you mind, you mind. A shepherd does that. But in the spirit, with God, with your spiritual life, you choose your shepherd. Spiritually, the sheep chooses the shepherd. So when David says, the Lord is my shepherd, he's expressing a choice. When you choose to make God your shepherd, then your experience with that shepherd will give you the belief that he can, belief that he will. So in order for you to have peace within, you got to choose your shepherd correctly. Many of us have chosen a shepherd, but it ain't God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't look away now. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've been there. I've been to the point to where there is just something I got connected with, and I just start either hanging out with people or pouring in some, some stuff. And before I know it, God wasn't shepherding me anymore. How did I know? I start saying things I usually don't say. I start acting the way I usually don't act. I, I, I got to the point to where what came out of my mouth sounded more like them than like God. My thought life began to change. All because I chose another shepherd. And you can choose shepherds like you put on shoes. You probably, and I mean the direct you, and that you includes me, we probably, if we're not careful, 
change our shepherds like five times a day. Right now, you want to put on a certain shepherd because you want this person to like you. Right now, you want to put on a certain shepherd because you want this job. Right now, you want to put on a certain shepherd because you want, you, you want this or you want that. So you, 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 you're being a, a chameleon. You're switching. But keep in mind, the Lord should be your shepherd. Your shepherd should be singular. You become a sheep that chooses God. That's, we don't, we don't, we do not make light of the shepherd we choose. You might be watching your shepherd. You might be streaming your shepherd. You might be visiting your shepherd. You might be whatever, but if your shepherd is not God, you will not have real God kind of peace within. Let's continue our prayer. God, we want to add to that. We want to choose you as our shepherd. Whatever shepherds we have chosen, if we know of them, God, have us correct that and choose you. If we have selected shepherds that we are unaware of, show them to us. Allow us to disconnect from those shepherds and put our faith, faith singularly in you. God, <laughs> God, the song that comes to mind is an old song that they used to sing, and it says, I decided to make Jesus my choice. God, that's really my prayer. I pray that everyone decides to make Jesus their choice. It's been said, God, that many people choose Jesus as their Savior, but not everybody chooses him as Lord. God, my confession, my desire, God, rest on everybody's heart to choose Jesus and in choosing him God just believe that you can and you will and as Jesus wants us to do put all of our faith in you and I thank you that will give us peace within it's in Jesus name that we pray Amen. Well, that's what God had to say to us today. We pray that it blessed you. As always, we pray that the word of God blesses you, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but we pray that you got something out of the message today that would change your life immediately. God bless you and look forward to chatting with you next time.